Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Edelman. So we are releasing this uh, podcast actually on Christmas Day. So if you celebrate, Merry Christmas. This is our little holiday gift to you. And our topic today, Steve, as you know, is what every person with diabetes wants for the holidays this year. And let's just get the elephant in, in the room out of the way. What do we really want? We don't want to freaking have diabetes. But, you know, since we have it, what are some things that we, you know, want to make it living with type 1 and type 2 just a little bit easier, a little bit sweeter? And as you know, we've written multiple songs here at TCYD, and we've actually done a couple holiday songs um, that really kind of speak exactly to this topic. So to get everybody in the kind of holiday spirit and the spirit of this particular podcast, we're going to play you our most recent holiday song. Take it away, Eric. So many holidays this time of year The cookies, pies, and dinners all put the fear Of God in me, why can't I just stay home? Let me eat alone without Grandpa Stanley's advice Last month my A1C was 6.5 I smelled some pumpkin pie and now it's 9.9 Sometimes it feels like I'm the only one And it's just no fun But I'm doing all that I can My brother made a pecan pie But if it's sugar-free, I am going to cry So light the menorah trimmed with a tree Together we're TCO a doctor says I need to exercise But when I do I might get low or get high No, I'm not talking about the thing you smoke That was just a joke Not the greatest joke, but okay My family's here and now it's dinner time My CGM's been going on all day night It's like I'm on a roller coaster ride But I swear I'm trying Just to live with this every day But Santa Claus has been kind to me He brought me something called T-C-O-Y-D So whether you've got type 1 or 2 T-C-O-Y-D is there for you Together we're T-C-O-Y-D. 
Okay, so we're back, and we were listening along with you guys as that song was playing, and we're actually watching it also because we make music videos that go along with all these songs. If you haven't seen it, go to our website, tcoid.org. You can click watch, and then there's a little drop-down, and specifically for all the original songs, you can see like the 10 different videos that we've done you know, over time. Yeah, they're on Spotify, Apple Music, and even if you just go to the YouTube station and type in TCOID Music, a couple of them will probably probably pop up and you can listen over and over again yep and so we're sitting right next to our producer eric who's also the songwriter and was singing on that track so anyways the point is that the holidays are kind of this dual beast right it's a joyful time it's a great time but it's also it can be tough uh with diabetes there's like all kinds of food people generally eat too much they drink too much that's why we have new year's resolutions to get back on track because man do we go for it when it's you know the holidays christmas whatever and you hear people talk about holidays being the most stressful time of the year Mm -hmm. when it really should be the most relaxing fun time of the year so hopefully uh we'll send some good vibes on our podcast today yeah and by the way, last week we just had our TCOID holiday party here in the office, which was fun. So much fun that literally I had all my clothes in my office still. I, I changed so people don't get too excited. It's not like I was running around naked, but I, I changed mid-party, so you know it was a good party. Well, it was just like the, our drinking video. You lost your shirt. I lost my shoes. I literally got in my Uber with no shoes on, which so good times. <laughs> Anyhow, so let's go back and forth with type 1, type 2, so everybody's included here, of course. So big picture, starting with type 1, what do we want? Well, I said at the top, what we want is a is a cure, but really that comes down to, are there new ways to get, you know, beta cells? Are there anything that we can do that we just, that would kind of cure the disease? And really there is a ton going on in this area. We talk about stem cells all the, all the time. There's a company called Vertex that's actually in clinical trials now, um, infusing beta cells into patients with type 1 diabetes. And it really is truly a cure the downside is that people have to take immunosuppression, so working out, you know, the doses to give, et cetera. But the big breakthrough there is that with these stem cells, they can make enough cells for everybody in the world with diabetes. And that's a huge, you know, breakthrough because it used to be not that long ago that you would rely on um, donors. Somebody was in a car accident, they happened to be an organ donor, and there was a real limited supply of, of, of beta cells. Now we have all the cells that we need. It's just how to figure out the best way to give them to people, including maybe under the Christmas tree for, for Christmas. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. Well, you know what? It seems like there's been an explosion of things in this area that you just mentioned after teblizumab or T-Zild became available. Now, companies were working on these before, but man, it seems like these new therapies and ideas to replace beta cells are just coming out of the closet. Yeah. And I was telling you about this this company I'm excited about. It's called Crea, K-R-I-Y-A. And they've developed a completely outside-of-the-box approach to, I suppose, curing type 1 diabetes where they've basically, it's a gene editing approach, and they've taken, it sounds complicated, but a a viral vector. You can put genes into a virus, and the virus can basically put those genes into whatever tissue they kind of get involved with. Yeah, if you're all rocket scientists, you understood what Jeremy just said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'll become clear. So basically what they've done is, is, and they've done this in, in rats and dogs, and now actually in monkeys, where they can do injections into muscles and specifically into the leg muscles of these animals, and these viruses will put in the muscle tissue a gene that that encodes insulin. So effectively, the muscle becomes a way of secreting insulin, which I think is so cool because 
you're not talking about, you know, infusing cells and getting stem cells and, and, and you know, beta cells that need immunosuppression. This is a therapy where you could make your own mes- a muscle function like a beta cell, but it's your own muscle, so you wouldn't need immunosuppression. So I think that is just like, like just pie in the sky science fiction, like you said. But man, it's this is moving forward. It's wild. Yeah, that that is amazing. So what I want for Christmas is one of these monkeys that's been like, you know, injected with this stuff. And he can be my friend. We can talk about it. Monkeys make good pets, I hear. <laughs> so, all right. So tell us about type 2. Well, I think one wish I had is for all people with type 2 diabetes would have full access to the GLP-1 drugs. And uh, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the older, like Victoza, and then Trulicity, Ozembic, and even Monjaro, which is the newest GLP-1 drug that has added features. And I just want to tell the folks that we've talked about these quite a bit, but most recently they have been shown to do so many important things for our health. And I mean access to almost being your first drug of choice when you're first diagnosed because of all the benefits. You know, in the beginning, we we approved all these drugs, we, the FDA, for diabetes control. And then what they discovered was that, oh my gosh, they have other tremendous benefits, including reducing heart attacks and strokes, very recently uh, congestive heart failure, the most common cause of heart problems in people with diabetes. Then they got the indication for weight loss. And of course, the FDA makes them change their name, even though it's the same drug. So the name for high-dose Ozempic is Wegovy. And then most recently, the flow study, wonder how they got that name for urine, <laughs> that it protects the kidneys from progressing if you have diabetic kidney disease. So think about that, Jeremy, that these drugs are tremendous and they they will improve the overall health of individuals. And not only will these people live longer, less stress on the family, taking care of people who have had a heart attack, but it'll also, for the bean counters out there, It'll save the healthcare dollar tremendously. You know how expensive it is for long-term hospitalization. So I'm sorry for that long monologue, but the problem is access. Yeah. And so I, I would love for people with type 2 look under their tree and see one of these GLP-1 drugs uh, they don't have to pay a ton for with how to use them and to, to improve their overall health. Cool. Well, I just got back from the bathroom. I was gone for about 10 minutes. What did I miss? <laughs> you missed the flow study. So, no, I would say, and do you agree with this, Steve, that, you know, a lot of times drugs come out and a couple of years after they've been out, there's some new kind of negative thing. Oh, like, you know, there's some signal for like whatever and it causes some new concern for the drug. These drugs have really been unique that every new data that comes out is some new huge positive thing. As you mentioned, these drugs were initially approved based on A1C to lower your blood sugars for diabetes control. Now for kidney benefits, heart benefits, having like weight loss indications, these really have been like a huge breakthrough. Yeah, and the weight loss is really taking away the need for bariatric surgery because the weight loss is so great. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really an important issue. And and the last thing I'll say is it's it's not just temporary uh, access. These drugs, you want to take them the rest of your life. My patients say to me, do I need to take... Ozembic, 
or Monjaro the rest of my life, I say you want to take these mm-hmm. drugs the rest of your life because they will help keep your weight off, protect your heart and your kidneys. And, you know, when people start blood pressure pills and cholesterol pills, you know, they're not just for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's important. And the last thing, I, I, I like okay. this is the last thing. Okay. They These drugs are actually leading to elevated levels of natural hormones called incretins. So it's not like some manufactured drug in a plant somewhere. It is increasing these natural hormones that help us stay healthy. And that is important because people are always looking for that natural cure, right? You know, vitamins are healthy, but you know, quote unquote drugs are bad. This is literally just giving you more of the hormone that you already make. Which is probably why there's very little side effects. Mm -hmm. All right. Well then that dovetails nicely into what we want for type ones, which is the same freaking thing, <laughs> access to, you know, GLP one drugs and other drugs. So we just did this diatribe you did on why these drugs are so helpful, but they're not approved for people with type one diabetes. But let me just say, yeah. interrupt for a second, say the naysayers of the world will say, well, you haven't done the, the long-term studies in type one and the FDA, they typically say on the label, you know, not indicated for people with type 1. And why are you putting up your middle finger right now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, these these, these drugs have been studied in type 1 diabetes, and we know that they work. People's blood sugars improve. They lose some weight. um, All the effects that we've seen in type 2. But you're right. The companies just haven't done the, the formal studies, Steve, so it's not officially approved, which means that insurance companies can deny it. And that's really the limitation. I can prescribe all day long for every single type one I see these medications, but they can't get it if it's they have to pay out of pocket because it's so expensive. Now there are, you know, workarounds. If you're type one and you're overweight or obese, which is based on your BMI, if your BMI is between 25 and 30, you're overweight, you can do online calculators, figure out what this is. If it's over 30, then you're obese. And you could get one of these medications for the indication of weight loss, not specifically for type 1. Um, the hope here is we were talking before we went on air um, that there's a, a company called Carmot that has developed a, a GLP-1 medication like Monjaro, um, but it's actually once a day. So when they were developing it, they thought, gosh, well, we might not be super competitive in the type 2 space because there's all these different GLP-1s now, and they're all once a week, and now we have just a once a day you know, option. So maybe we should explore it in type 1s where there's no other like kind of competition. You know, good news for us type 1s. So they're in clinical trials right now, and just you know, as of us recording this about a week ago, Roche bought this company for three billion dollars so with a b with a b yeah uh to further development of this medication and apparently they're committed to doing this in the type one space as well so i think it might not be under the tree this year um but maybe next year or maybe the year after that finally getting a non-insulin drug approved for type ones because let's you know let's be honest God bless insulin. It helps us, you know, keep our blood sugars under control. But man, it can cause low blood sugars and, and, and weight gain and things like that. We could really benefit from something else to help us. And it's it's coming. Yeah. And it it may have the same cardiovascular kidney benefits as we see in type two in the mm-hmm. larger studies. The other thing I should mention is that, you know, you mentioned that type ones can get um, GLP ones, if their BMI is over 30 and it's actually over 27, if they have quote unquote cardiovascular risk factors, which is pretty typical. But also, we should mention the SGLT2 mm-hmm. inhibitors like Jardance and Farziga. They have shown to have tremendous benefits uh, on heart failure and the progression of kidney disease. And you can actually prescribe this drug for type ones that have 
diabetic kidney disease. Mm -hmm. So both of these drugs, you know, unfortunately, you have to be overweight or have kidney disease to get them. And to me, it'd be nice to get these things early to help prevent these issues, not just treat them when they occur. Totally. And if you have type 1 or type 2 and you're listening, you're like, what the hell are they talking about? GLP-1s, SLD-2s, it's alphabet <laughs> soup. Um, again, go onto our website, click watch, you know, the videos. We've done all kinds of videos on other medications, all these medications where you can pause it, you can write down the names of all these things, go to your doctor. You know, it's super important um, that you know about these things. Okay. So that was type one and type two. Again, Blood Brothers, that was a similar yeah. topic. We want access to these really cool medications. Um, hit us with something else for, for type twos. Okay. Well, this is an important topic for all you type twos out there. And there is some overlap with type ones is full access Every person with type 2 diabetes, no matter where they are in their natural history, whether they're newly diagnosed, let's, let's start with pre-diabetes, newly diagnosed, just on orals only, maybe basal insulin, multiple daily injections, full access to a continuous glucose monitor. Mm -hmm. Because you and I have believed that for years. It's taken the rest of the world to catch up to us. And, and so- We're so what, progressive. Oh, gosh, we're so far ahead of our time. It's amazing. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist for someone with diabetes type 2, especially, let's just take the pre-diabetes stage. Well, you can't get it approved for that. Well, you can actually see uh, your blood sugar during uh, the day and night. And what happens to your blood sugars when you eat certain things, when you eat the amount of certain things, when you exercise, the intensity, the duration. And I just think it's a tremendous behavior modification that you could do that would prevent yourself from eventually getting type 2 or at least delaying it. And for every stage in diabetes, it's extremely important, even if you're not using that information to adjust insulin. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one of these things where we've turned around people who we used to say, oh, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, they're, they're so unengaged in their diabetes. Their A1C is high. I'm not sure if they take their medications all the time. And then you get them a CGM and it's like, oh my God, they become poster child. Mm -hmm. And so I do think it's extremely important. And you'll see these CGMs being used for uh, uh, companies like Levels and Super Sapiens that they're for people without diabetes and they use them to figure out how much fuel they need when they exercise or use it along with behavior modification and dietary input. So I think that it's going to be the standard of care for all type twos. Yeah. And everyone should realize that if you're a type two and you're on any insulin, basal insulin alone or multiple daily injections, or if you're on a pump and you don't have a CGM, you are all eligible and Medicare agrees with that. Mm -hmm. And someday people will catch up to us and realize that every person with type 2 will do better and it'll save the healthcare system a little bit of money too. Well, what an evolution because I went on my first CGM, obviously I have type 1, in 2010. Who got you on that yeah, CGM? So it was literally the day I met Steve Edelman. Again, <laughs> go to our like website, watch. We did a whole reenactment of me meeting Steve when he ridiculed me because I never heard about a CGM. But anyways, I got on my CGM 2010. But at that time, it was extremely difficult. Um, you know, I had a doctor tell me, you don't need that information. It's too much. It's going to be harmful. Uh, You're going to overreact to your blood sugars being high, being low. Too and much information. Too much information. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. And what a fight. And now here we are, you know, the American Diabetes Association, they release their, their new updated guidelines every year. And they've just been like very strong now about continuous glucose monitoring as a standard of care for everybody with type 1 diabetes. So that thought has been 
that fight has been fought in type one and won, that it's it's much easier to get it. And we're doing that now with type twos. And unfortunately, the type twos are a little bit farther behind. As you mentioned, people with insulin on insulin can get it, but it really should just be for everybody. Yeah. Because I mean, if you don't know anything about diabetes, you know that blood sugar is important. And so it should be important to know what your blood sugar is all the time. So yes, under the tree, continuous glucose monitors yeah. for all. And the packages won't be that big because these CGM devices are getting smaller and smaller. Yeah, you're like, Don't think it's small... an engagement ring yeah, or something <laughs> like that wrapped up. But you know, they have the new Dexcom G7, the Libre 3, mm-hmm. you know, a Medtronic makes one. Uh, they have an implantable one made by Everson. So there's choices out there. And um, I think all of you type twos out there that do not have a CGM, you've really got to try to get one. And even if you're not on insulin, they if you have a little bit of money, um, they're not that expensive, and you don't have to use them 24-7. You could say, okay, I'm going to buy two sensors that will last me a month and check my blood sugars out, make some adjustments, and you may not need it 24-7. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee you, once you get hooked on them, you won't want to take them off. All right. Uh, type 1. What, what else type do you ones. want? So we've been asking for this for a long time, but basically a we'll call it an ultra-rapid-acting insulin. So... You guys know this, but our, our, our rapid-acting insulins are just so freaking slow. And I think that's been a huge disservice to the whole community to even call them rapid-acting insulins. So our current injectables, Novolog, Humalog, all these, they take 30 minutes to even start working. They peak in around two hours. They last for four or five hours. That is so different to what the beta cell can do. When you're like with people without diabetes, you know, even when they like seafood, they'll start, you know, secreting insulin. It starts working within seconds. It gets cleared within minutes. So it's a real kind of like sharp, precise tool. Um, and we're kind of trying to steer, steer the freaking Titanic with our insulin. So no wonder why we go high and we go low because we're battling carbohydrates that get absorbed really quickly with these things that just are freaking slow. It's age old problem. Yeah. So if we could get a truly rapid acting insulin that we could put in a vial, put that in a pump, man, like it would just be a game changer. The main thing that is like slowing down the development of these artificial pancreas hybrid closed loop systems is not the algorithms, it's not the pumps, it's the insulin. It's Mm -hmm. too slow. So if we had something that was really more rapid on, rapid off, it would be game over. Yeah, just like a Frezza, except a Frezza is a powder. It's um, inhaled, yeah. So people that don't know, Fresno's inhaled insulin yep. that works like it works really well. It's exactly what we need, um, but it's just not available in a uh, a liquid. Yeah, and and many of us use it. We use it on top of our other insulin. Or we use it alone. So, yeah, that would be awesome. Now we we should mention glucagon at this point. Yeah. Why don't you mention a little bit about you know glucagon and what you would like under the Christmas tree in terms of new formulations? Yeah. So for a long time we've been waiting for a mini dose glucagon pen, um, which everybody knows insulin kind of brings your blood sugars down, glucagon raises it. And we've had glucagon for emergency use for a long time. You have a severe low, you have a seizure or something like that. Somebody can give you glucagon to bring your blood sugars back up. But why not have a little glucagon pen where you could take a unit or two units? So not for like a severe episode, but gosh, I'm going a little bit low. I really don't want to go eat some crackers and peanut butter and, and orange juice and yeah, milk and slice of pizza <laughs> and Oreo and go, go 300. So if I could just take a unit or two of glucagon and bring my blood sugars back up, that would be really nice. So that is becoming possible now that we have glucagon that is stable in a liquid formulation. Mm-hmm. So you can actually have it be in a pen 
for a long time. So that is something that, again, maybe not this year. It's a little, it's actually, this is airing on Christmas, so it probably didn't happen today. I mean, if you opened your, your presents and you had many dose gluten on, that's pretty rad. But it, it probably <laughs> might take another year or two. You know what? Um, I think every person with diabetes, mostly type 1 and those with type 2 on insulin, when your blood sugar gets low and you eat three donuts, peanut butter and crackers, I mean, yeah, it, you're eating it so fast. you got all these symptoms of sweating, heart palpitations. I mean, it just doesn't taste as good as when you're just sitting there relaxed on the uh-huh. couch. Your blood sugar is normal. And, uh, you know, you and I have both been in situations where we had to give ourselves glucagon. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the people from Xeris make the G-Voke Hypopen, but you can also get it in a vial and syringe. You just hold it up, suck out what you need. And uh, there are people out there in the world. Uh, Gary Shiner has taught me how to use my own mini-dose glucagon and experiment. So, you know, theoretically, it's, it's quote-unquote off-label. But if you give yourself glucagon, it's not a big deal. It's better than, you know, if than passing out if you just can't eat enough. So yeah, I mean, my real excitement about that is around exercise. I mean, I just hate exercising and freaking having to eat because, yeah. like, to avoid a low. I mean, you're just like this is defeating the whole purpose. I mean, you and I exercise so we could pig out. So you look at the what, <laughs> how many calories you burned, and then you have to have a bunch of calories and you say shit. Yeah, you know, I just exercise for an hour and I drank that much juice yeah. and had a Snickers bar and the leftover cookies with peanut butter smeared on it. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, oh gosh. Yeah. So you just take a little bit of glucagon instead of doing all that. That sounds freaking fantastic. And I, I always talk ask. about the times that I've literally been on the treadmill at the gym. I don't run anymore, but I used to just drinking a Coke, a warm, you know, 180 Coke. calories <laughs> yeah, like like while I'm on the treadmill and people are like, what, what is wrong with this guy? You know, Eric, whoa. our producer, is it okay if I said the S-H-I-T word? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you, sir. <laughs> well, my last thing for people with type two, and I really tried to put myself in the same shoes as them is, and this I'm sure this relates to type ones, but I would say more type one C endos than type twos, and type twos are, are with their primary care doctors. Now, I don't want to insult primary care doctors, but you do it often. But I do it often, but it's not <laughs> fair. A primary care doctor has to know about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. and address it in the 15 minutes that they've been given by some administrator bureaucrat. And they're supposed to cover, you know, diabetes, heart, stomach, extremities, GYN stuff in 15 minutes. And they'll say to patients, listen, uh, I don't have much time. I'm, I'm behind. And you have one problem that we can discuss. Mm-hmm. And so my wish for people with type 2 diabetes on this Christmas Eve is to have access to a really good primary care doctor that has enough time to listen and address their main problems in the short time that they have with them. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. It's a simple one, but it's very much needed. So if you come down the stairs Christmas morning and there's a big package that's kind of wiggling and like <laughs> muffled, muffled screams coming out of the, the bag. How, about, how maybe... about a cadaver bag? <laughs> <laughs> um Okay, so kind of to wrap up, I think, you know, another last wish that we would want for everybody is just that they can enjoy the holidays. You know, again, we mentioned with all like the food and the the family and all of that, you got people that are maybe looking over your shoulder for everything you're eating or drinking. And I think what we all do, myself included, is, you know, you kind of tell yourself, oh, I'm going to take it easy on the snacks or sweets or whatever. And then you overindulge like you always do. And then you beat yourself up about it. So I think as much as you can, allow yourself to enjoy it. 
you know, set aside like, hey, you know, I know on Christmas, Christmas Eve, whatever it is, whatever you celebrate, I'm going to be eating more than I'm, I usually do. This is a special you know, situation. I'm going to enjoy it rather than beat myself up the whole time. And then, you know, I'll regroup the next day or whatever, maybe January 1st or 2nd when you join the gym. But, you know, if you are going to kind of indulge, just just realize that and enjoy it. Get rid of the shame and guilt. Yeah. Um, and... And if Uncle Smith tells you, like, you know, you shouldn't be eating that, you know, just take him outside. Put him in that body bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, it's hard. We yeah. go through this every year. And nothing worse than having uh, nosy relatives and friends say, should you be eating that? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, there's got to be a, a, we'll have to talk to Bill Polonsky maybe and get a, a better way to say things right back at them. You know, Are you, should you be eating that? <laughs> and you know, But with your waistline, you know, but no, it, I think it has, it has to come with mental strength that we have diabetes. We're not always going to be perfect. It's tough to control when you have all these tempting foods around and enjoy yourself. You're not mm-hmm. going to die from eating something, you know, that you don't usually eat every day. Mm-hmm. And if you're on insulin, do your best yeah. with yeah. it, you know, give yourself extra, watch your CGM values. And I know people always say, go outside and exercise. You can, you know, I think going for a good walk with friends and families is not a bad idea. Yeah. And that'll help a little bit. So, mm-hmm. Well, we hope that you guys get something good for the holidays, especially for your diabetes, Steve. This was fun going back and forth with you. And yeah. I hope for... I hope you get a primary care doctor under your, your tree. That'd be really fun. <laughs> I want you to video that and we'll put it online. Yep. And I hope you get this, the beta cells that oh, you've always be been dreaming about. Just a little bowl of beta cells. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Happy holidays. And we will talk to you soon. Take Goodbye, care. everybody. Merry Christmas.